Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi there, and welcome to the Press Gallery, Edmonton Journal's weekly provincial politics podcast, the Leaving That to the History Books edition. It's Friday, January 23rd, 2015. My name is Sarah O'Donnell, and I'm the Journal's assignment editor. I'm joined in the newsroom studio today by provincial affairs reporter Mary Ibrahim. Hello. And city columnist Paula Simons. Hello, Sarah. And provincial affairs columnist Graham Thompson. Hello, everybody. Well, the thing I've learned about hosting a provincial politics podcast is that we should never plan to plan. We're recording Friday because this time it was veteran MLA Doug Horner who delivered us a Thursday surprise. Miriam, let's just get right into it. What happened? Ah, uh, well, we heard uh, very suddenly yesterday morning that Doug Corner was going to be holding a scrum, and uh, that really at this point only says one thing. Um, and so it became pretty apparent that he was going to be either stepping down or announcing that he wouldn't be running again. Um, and 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 we found out that yeah, he was he was not just not going to be running again; he was going to be quitting as of January thirty first. He's going to be returning to the private sector. He's going to be uh, sort of pursuing trade opportunities and investment opportunities in uh, the Asia Pacific region. But yeah, he said that after fourteen years, ten years at the cabinet table, he had um, decided that his time as a politician. Uh, was going to come to an end and you know he, he he said that he needed to make the decision because the PCs um, have set nomination dates for a bunch of ridings and his is one of them and it's for February 21st and for him he needed to make that decision uh, you know sooner rather than later because that nomination was going to be opening up pretty soon. Yeah, so Graham, you said in your column today that, you know, a resignation isn't always as simple as just being a resignation. Like, why is this happening now? That Well, yeah, even though he could have told his board I'm not running again, he could have waited, in a sense, stayed on as an MLA till the election's actually called. We're seeing a, a, a growing number of MLAs do just that. Like Bridget Pasteur, um, Ken Hughes have said they're not running again. Fine, but you stay on as an MLA. By actually quitting next week, the issue now becomes there'll be a by-election in his his riding, or will there? Or will there not, be? Yes. Or will there be uh, an, an election? Uh, he was saying he thought there'd be more people coming forward to actually quit and force more by-elections. We know of nobody right now, but will there be a slew of them doing that, forcing a general election because it's going to be half a dozen by-elections? We don't know. It's never that simple because, um, again, he could have stayed on for another year if the election is going to be a year from now as opposed to this spring. So the question is, did he know something? Is he thinking it's going to be an early election? Was he just causing problems for Prentice? Uh, he was talking yesterday, this is, um, Horner was talking about how he wants to get back into his old business, which is international trade, uh, specifically Asia and China. Um, so he wants to get there ASAP, but it just seemed to be forced yesterday. Mm. It came out really quickly, and his decision seemed to catch. Not that he was not not that he was stepping down. We knew that was going to happen. Uh, his days are done basically in politics, but to do it so quickly and actually retire and quit a week from now is, is pretty surprising. Yeah, no, I haven't been lurking the legislature hallways like you guys get to do right all the time right now, but I'd always expected that he would spend some time in political 
purgatory after he got left cabinet. But I, I don't know. I, I was kind of surprised. I always expected him to end up back in cabinet at some point. Well, I mean, I so suspect what do you, he did too. What, but, what but, do you, so what do you think about his choice, Paula? I I think you know, I think I said on the podcast two weeks ago. I don't even know why Doug Honer bothers to get up and go to work. And <laughs> and this I think is is the answer. I mean, he was humiliated. It, in a really egregious kind of way. Now, I'm not going to apologize for the way he handled things as finance minister or for the way he didn't do oversight for Alison Redford's use of the plane. But the bottom line is he was the good soldier. He was loyal to a fault, loyal to Alison Redford, loyal to the party. Uh, he worked hard for Jim Prentice's campaign, and his reward for that was to get, you know, stowed on the backest of back benches with some bogus made-up, uh, you know, at special advisor title. I mean, it wasn't just that he didn't make cabinet. It was that, it, you know, it's like a puppy when you take his nose and rub it in the poop, you know? I mean, it it was... It was a really kind of nasty put down. And, and I think the, the other point, Graham makes this in his most excellent column, is Doug Horner is not particularly cozy friendly with members of the Wild Rose, mm. former members of the Wild Rose, who are now in his caucus. And that isn't just because they gave him such a hard time over the airplanes and over the budget. It's also because I think, uh, you know, he is more on the social moderate end of the party. Uh, you know, he grew up. As a Lougheed Tory, his dad was a, a Lougheed cabinet minister. I remember him coming in to speak to our editorial boards in which his disdain and dislike for the Wild Rose, who he, he said sort of, you know, were just so creds reborn, uh, was very apparent. It was always going to be hard for him to sit in caucus with Rob Anderson and Daniel Smith at all. Mm. So, so I don't think you're supposed to actually rub dogs' noses in poop anymore. I think that's against well, the, the that's against the training <laughs> advice. So well, and, and I you, don't and, advise that. And, and, and you see what happens, yeah, right? Well. And then the, then the dog sulks and he quits. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what does this tell us about the state of Jim Prentice's government? I mean, if you have people like D Doug Corner who have re remained very loyal and said nothing bad about the premier, uh, is it a bad sign for Jim Prentice that Doug Corner? resigning? I, I would say no. Um, and I do agree with Paula that, that this, he was a very good MLA, very hard worker, very smart guy. And in a lot of ways you could say he, he'd be a benefit to um, Prentice. But of course, he is toxic because of his relationships and what he did under Redford. Having said that, Prentice wants to clean house. Uh, remember he talked last uh, summer during his leadership race about the, uh, the term limit idea. Three terms as an MLA, then you should be leaving. If you follow that example, then 16 of them should be leaving, and he'd like to have 16 of them gone out of his, uh, his caucus, um, including Doug Horner. Um, they've been around too long. So he wants to have fresh blood. He wants the old guard to move on, and he wants new people to come in. So it's always it's a, it's a clean sweep in a sense. He wants to get rid of the old dusty um, cobwebs of Redford and Stelmack, and even Klein in some examples. Uh, you go far enough back uh, of some of the MLAs who were elected with Klein. He wants to bring in new people. And this is a way he's doing it. And he wants, he's telling them right now, tell me if you're staying on. That, that's why he's forcing the nominations right now to get people to get to be nominated because we're all expecting once again an election to come early. Marion, what was the mood like yesterday when he was at this impromptu press conference? How did how did Mr. Horner s seem? Like, I, happy about it? Or? No, certainly not. I mean, I think it has to be bittersweet for him. I, the way he talked about it was, you know, that he said that he, you know, he still fully supports Jim Prentice. He fully supports his government. Um, and, and he said, you know, it's been a really long time. But at the same time, I think that if we think um, about some of the things that have happened in the past and whether or not those 
those sort of paths and trajectories had taken a different route, we'd be sitting in a very different situation right now. And he wouldn't be retiring because he'd been he's been an MLA for 14 years. I don't think that's what it comes down to. I mean, I think certainly things didn't happen the way he wanted it to. Um, Yesterday in the in the scrum, he talked about uh, his uh, 2011 leadership race and sort of talked about, you know, now with hindsight, he thinks he probably would have done things a little bit differently there. Um, (laughs) You know, and I mean, obviously, I think for him, he, he would still be here as an MLA if things had happened differently. You know, if that whole Redford era hadn't happened, if the airplanes hadn't happened, if all of this. Is Doug Horner somebody who could come back again in a future leadership bid? Well, I suppose it's always possible, but I don't think very likely. I think his I think his time has passed. You know, there were questions about whether or not he could cross to be an Alberta party. MLA, and that's, I think, a fantasy that maybe people in the Alberta. Yeah. I don't. I don't <laughs> think that was yeah. that was never likely to happen. Because I don't he, think that's even in the realm of possibility. No, because he's the ultimate party loyalist, the ultimate party man. You know, mm-hmm. and like Hancock, his reward for being the ultimate party man was to you know give up his life politically for the good of the party. It's so weird to think of a PC caucus with Danielle Smith in it and not Doug Horner and Dave Hancock. That's very strange to yeah, me. Yes, interesting if we'll see that continue after the nominations. That's true, very true. Should we expect a wave of further resignations and uh, who are, are, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I, be surprised yeah. to see more of more of those types of folks, you know, people were asking questions about Doug Griffiths. You know, some some of those people who have spent time in cabinet who are now on so far deep in the back benches they're sitting on the opposition side of the house right like Fred Horn is he going to run again he spent his summer stuffing envelopes for Jim Prentice and his reward was the furthest corner in the legislature I mean I, I, I you have to wonder whether that is a satisfying career sort of future for these for, for some yeah. of these mm-hmm. former cabinet ministers and, and someone like Thomas Lukasik who loves politics and loves the game well you know he's been doing MBA classes on weekends mm-hmm. so you know you have to think that people are are wondering what's their future in that party and and what is the state of the different parties preparations for the elections right now well we've got the pcs obviously fast tracking nominations in february march they want to have them all done by the middle of march they want all their nominations done the wild rose is a bit of a quandary right now they are pushing ahead with some of the nominations but of course it's got eviscerated losing 11 people last uh, last fall liberals i really don't know what they're up to to be honest <laughs> Um, I, I imagine they don't either. I exactly, because I know that uh, they're losing two um, players, of course, Kent Hare, Darshan Kang, this year to the federal election, uh, if there's no provincial election called before then. Uh, and also the uh, NDP, though, seem to be getting out as well. Like, they're doing mm-hmm. nominations this week, of course. But um, Sarah Hoffman. Sarah yeah. Hoffman, the, the uh, school board chair. And, and is, so the, would that put her against Heather Klimchuk, if Heather yep. Klimchuk it runs again? Mean, and and that's if, I, if, if Hoffman wins the nomination, right. she hasn't won the nomination. Yes, right, And, right. you know, I mean, she's a, she's a credible candidate mm-hmm. in that riding. I mean, Heather Klimchuk got elected because she's very personable and because she's a red Tory. A lot of people uh, who were Klimchuk backers were pretty upset when she voted against Bill 10. Um, I don't think there's anybody in Alberta politics who doesn't like Heather Klimchuk, but whether or not she can hold on to Glenora, which is a real swing riding, is a very good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sarah- that's, that's the riding has actually gone liberal in the past. The mm. NDP has done well, hasn't won it, they've done quite well in, in that riding. Liberals have won it. So yes, you're right, it's a swing riding. So the NDP, 
are getting themselves geared up. They all claim, all parties claim that they'll be ready for the, the election that <laughs> comes this spring. They won't all be ready for it. The PCs will be the most ready, of course, because they're in power right now but and have a lot more incumbents. Having said that, I think the NDP is maybe the second best party right yeah. now getting ready for the Absolutely. election. I think in the municipal election, not the last one, but the one before that, where Sarah Hoffman first got elected to the school board, she got the most votes of any candidate in anything in Edmonton. So yeah, there's definitely some popularity there. So we're going to try this tighter version of the podcast, like all things in provincial politics. Opinion is split as to whether we should keep our half, you know, half hour length or go shorter. So we're going to try this for this week. So let's move to good stuff from the gallery. And that's our weekly segment where we share something we've enjoyed, usually with a political connection. Graham, you have a magazine with you here. I'd yes, love not, to hear what you... Well, uh, politics in a sense. It's the, I got this for Christmas. It's the Smithsonian uh, magazine. And it has an article about uh, PTSD in the American Civil War. So it's an article looking at um, soldiers who, in that war, it was 150 years ago, who uh, turns out had PTSD. And I thought it was really interesting because um, I've been a bit of a Civil War buff. It's called the PTSD, the Civil War's Hidden Legacy. Um, it's a reminder as well, of course, PTSD is not a modern invention. Soldiers have ha- suffered from it for years. And it's a reminder, of course, and a little plug here for um, the fact that this was our, it's also our hidden legacy as well from the Afghanistan war. A lot of soldiers came back um, who have been badly physically injured, but a lot came back with PTSD. And that's going to be a legacy we'll be living with for a long time to come. Thank so, you. So it's the Smithsonian, Smithsonian uh, Magazine, January edition, The Civil War's Hidden Legacy. I hope that that'll be online. I'm sure I'll put up a link. Paula, what would you like to recommend? I would like to recommend something a little, also from the South, but from Calgary's South. Uh, uh, <laughs> our, our our Calgary Herald colleague, Jason Markasoff, has had some really terrific reporting this week about a very ugly quarrel on Calgary City Council. Uh, it, it's ostensibly over whether or not councillors are drinking on the job, but there's also, you know, in the underbrush, uh, allegations that have sort of not been quite fully articulated about sexual harassment uh, and and a real civil war on Calgary City Council and Jason's coverage of this has been very uh, very wry and very clever and really really interesting so if you want the schmutz from Calgary City Council uh, I'll, I'll provide you lots of links Anytime you can use the word blotto in a news story, I am that's a fantastic story. <laughs> so since Paula took my good stuff, I'm going to recommend something else, a little quirky <laughs> further afield uh, to the east of us. This is a local politics aspect because I think it's ridiculous. It's a story that there have been uh, about a, a gentleman and his family in Beaconsfield, Quebec, who has been told, the family has been told by the city they have to tear down their snow fort in their front yard because it is unsafe, really. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, I'm not even kidding. There was an interview on As It Happens, and I'll post the link to that, and I'll post a couple other stories. But when did all of this cracking down start on stuff like this? I know. I there mean, will be I mean, no winter fun I mean, ever. I, I heard this week that the city of Edmonton had closed all the toboggan hills because of unsafe conditions. It was icy. It was very icy. It was icy. very icy, but I don't know how you close every yeah. hill. I guess in this case, the city's worried that it, the snow fort is too close to the street and that it will be plowed by a snow plow and that the children will be killed. Why is a plow n- on the it's not on the street. If it's close to the street, it's not on the street. This is exactly why I recommended this story. It's a talker. <laughs> Miriam, wrap us up. What's your good stuff? 
Um, mine is a, um, quite a bit more serious piece. Uh, it's the cover story from McLean's this week. Uh, Welcome to Winnipeg, where Canada's racism problem is at its worst. It's by Nancy McDonald. Um, and it sort of just talks about um, the experiences of, of Indigenous people in, in Winnipeg. Um, it's got, obviously, a, 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 a large um, um, population of Indigenous people in, in the city, and it's growing quite quickly. And I think there's probably some parallels that we can draw as Edmontonians as well. Yeah, and the response to that story made national news, the yeah, response to that, just to that the response piece. To it, yeah. So the McLean's is uh, certainly raised uh, interest in that yeah, topic. And absolutely. We'll post some links related to that story. I'll get Miriam to give me some of her Great. favorites. So that's it for this week. Many thanks to Paula Graham and Miriam for joining me and our deep appreciation as always to journal videographer Ryan Jackson, who's here to cover a video clip from our panel that will be available for viewing on edmontonjournal.com. So you'll notice that I mentioned that I'm in a new job from my previous job as editorial writer. I, I am now the assignment editor at the journal, but I hope to keep continuing to host this podcast and put it together. Hopefully it will all be good. Um, and now, now she's my boss and Miriam's <laughs> boss. So we have to be, we have to be, we have to be much nicer. You have to come on the show. It's not a choice. You can let us know what you think on, t- on Twitter. I'm at S. O'Donnell. You can hear previous episodes of the show on edmontonjournal.com opinion or through the Edmonton Journal SoundCloud feed. It's also available on iTunes, so subscribe and the press gallery will be there for you waiting every Friday around lunchtime just for me waiting for Paula to tell me what is she going to write about this week and today. What are you going to write about today? We'll talk about it after. We'll convene again next week in the press gallery.